the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development with 820 AM The Word. I'm so glad to join you today, and I have a special guest with me today. His name is Kiefer Annable. He's the Associate Pastor at Living Way Foursquare Church in Seattle. And uh, Kiefer, welcome today to Heart of the City. Thank you. It's uh, You and I have uh, met each other off and on. I used to attend Living Way uh, several years ago before my wife and I moved back up to the Everett area and uh, have a mutual friend in, in uh, Kai Martin there at uh, at Living Way. He's your pastor. Yes, he is. He's pastor and some of father figure and neighbor. <laughs> yeah, because you two live kind of across the lot from each other there on church property. Yeah, Let's just say we have dinner at his house almost every night. <laughs> My wife. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, he's a good man, and we've had him on the program before, and we uh, really appreciate Pastor Kai. So uh, let's talk about you. Uh, this this program, Heart of the City, we like to uh, interview pastors and ministry leaders uh, in the area and talk about and have them share their story because it's amazing how people— uh, see youth pastors or associate pastors or senior pastors, and they they hear them preach or teach, but oftentimes don't know or understand the backstory of how they got to the place where they've decided to become a pastor or, or what their relationship's like with Jesus or what their past was like. So we like to hear those stories because it really shows how God is faithful in working in our lives through the seasons of our lives. So Let's go back to uh, to the beginning. Where, did you grow up in this area, or uh, are you a Seattleite? Yeah, actually, I grew up in the greater Seattle area. I grew up in Mill Creek, Washington. Uh-huh. Um, born and raised, lived in the same house my whole life. Um, went to Jackson High School up there in Mill Creek. Um, graduated in 2010. Um, and I only spent a year outside of the Seattle area when I lived in Boise um, and from August of 2010 to May of 2011, um, but yeah, otherwise I've been here my whole life. Jackson High School, some good good football team, and some. Uh, uh, were, were you a sports guy? I was, yeah. Actually, I really wanted to play in the NFL. Um, I played football pretty rigorously from the time I was 11 um, until through my senior year. Uh-huh. Um, unfortunately, I had a lot of knee injuries. Yeah. Uh, I, I tore both my ACLs in a span of about nine months um, and then tried to play at a junior college uh, when I was 19. 
and uh, tore more cartilage in my knee. So after that, I decided it was time to hang up the cleats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at your size, so I'm trying to think of position. <laughs> uh, uh, linebacker? Linebacker, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a lot of cutting, a lot of moving, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stops and starts on the knees, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. It was uh, it, it's definitely taking its toll, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, what was uh, your life like growing up in Mill Creek? Was it uh, w- was your uh, was your family uh, part of a congregation there, or, or t- talk to me about your spiritual formation as a as yeah? A kid. We uh, I grew up at a church called North Lake Christian Church in Bothell, um, it's kind of an evangelical church, and uh, my parent I have great parents who love me very much, and I've never doubted. I mean, I have a, a great mom and dad. Never doubted their love for me. Um, and I, I love them still very, very close to them to this day, actually. And, uh, my wife and I go up and see them, try to see them about once a week. And, um, but I grew up at, at North Lake Christian Church and, uh, I remember as a kid, uh, being really into the whole church thing. And, uh, and I started to get into about high school. Um, and I, uh, I was still very involved in church, but it took a more religious tone, mm-hmm. um, very much a tone of, um, telling people where they were wrong and trying to kind of beat them over the head with the Bible. And yet at the same time, I had things in my life that I, I, I wasn't walking in the light on, things in my life that I wasn't uh, um, honest and, and open about. Um, like my, I had some strong issues with anger, strong issues with uh, sexual immorality and things like that. And um, I, I just kept it hidden. Um, mm-hmm. So I... Had a, I would say I had a look of a Christian, um, but I did not have at all the walk of a Christian. Mm-hmm. What's that like to have that those secrets in, in your life as a teenager where you hear the word of God and you're at church, but on the other hand, you know that you're not living for, for the Lord as you should? What, what's, what's that like? Yeah, well, for me, it was kind of interesting, interesting because I uh, was so prideful that I just didn't even register. Um, I was so stuck in my thought that I was just so right um, that I didn't even think about the hypocrisy of my, my mm. actions and the hypocrisy of my heart. It actually took, uh, in, uh, after high school, some experiences that I had where I really encountered the Lord when I was 19 that really humbled me and really showed me kind of where my heart was actually at. Um, and I thought I was so close to God, but realizing in in uh, a series of events how, how far my heart actually was from him. And um, uh, that's that's really what brought about change. In mm. me. Was part of it, the, uh, as we were talking earlier about, uh, was the injury and recognizing that you, some of your goals uh, – wouldn't be met as far as the NFL and football? Did that play into it at all? Actually, surprisingly, it it didn't. I really wanted to play in the NFL even after I got hurt. It took uh, after I encountered the Lord. Even I I decided I, that was when I went to a junior college because uh-huh. um, I'd been at Boise State University and and uh, when I was nineteen, I still said, you know, I I want to play, and that's when I got hurt. Um, and I joined a church internship at Mill Creek Foursquare Church and. Um, and that brought about a whole new series of, uh, of events in my life that brought about some humbling moments for me. But, 
Um, well, let's go back to some of the, the kind of the crisis moment. What, mm-hmm. what were some of the things happening in your life that you could you, that you can share that that brought you to a re- understanding that mm-hmm. you weren't really living the life that you thought you were? Yeah, yeah. So my senior year of high school, I uh, it was probably my I would say it was m- my worst year in the sense of my behavior and actions and things like that. I'd gotten involved with a couple of relationships um, with some girls that I knew that I shouldn't have. Um, I was heavily addicted to pornography, um, and I, I was just angry. I was really bitter. I had a I had a really rough relationship with um, my older brother, and uh, had a lot of things that I was uh, just angry at, upset at. I was angry at my my knee injuries. I was angry at those. Um, and things weren't working out how I'd hoped, um, but I was still very headstrong, and I was still going to keep going. I was still going to press forward on on the things that I really wanted to do. And um, I decided I wanted to go to Boise State University because at the time they were really open to walk on athletes. Um, and when I was there, actually, they were um, they had some sanctions put on them by the NCAA, so they had to shut down the walk-on program that I was going to try to walk on through. Um, and it was the first few months that I was at Boise State. I'd stopped going to church. Um, I read the Bible all the time. Um, I, I had a certain lens that I, I read the Bible through. I was, I was very proud of it. and um, But I, I hadn't been fellowshipping with anybody, and I'd kind of secluded myself. And so I came home one weekend for my birthday, and uh, uh, at mill creek they had a guest speaker named todd white come out and speak and i saw people get healed and i was like i didn't i didn't think that happened Hmm. um and so i uh my mind just starts spinning and i go up to to get prayer and this this lady in, in the line in front of me she starts to prophesy over me and she starts to call out things in my life like she just read my mail and, hmm. um, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and my mind was just spinning and a little bit you, after you the, didn't know this lady in, in any way, never met her before. Not one, not once had I ever met her before in my life. She called out that I hadn't been to church in, in two months that I loved to read the Bible. Um, I mean, all these things huh. and my head was spinning <laughs> and, um, shortly after that, I, uh, started up a friendship with a guy named Trevor Loya who's planting a church in the Montlake Terrace area. Um, and he, uh, at the time, he was really involved with some of the youth things going on at, at Mill Creek and later became the youth pastor. But um, he, uh, I just struck up a friendship with him. And we would talk back and forth when I went back to school, come home for Thanksgiving, went back to school. We just kept conversation going. And um, I came home for winter break, and uh, I met up with him several times over winter break just because I would ask him questions and let him answer and um and then one night at a youth group uh, I showed up and it was kind of not nothing special about it um I, just, I was going up to say goodbye to him and he said hold on I want to pray for you and he prayed over me and started prophesying over me um started calling out things that I hadn't yet told him hadn't uncovered uh the issue I'd had with pornography and and some of the anger issues that I'd had and um, he just starts prophesying about them and I was so mad. I didn't want to hear any of it. And uh, I was actually clenching my fist because I wanted to throw a punch at him. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> after probably about, I don't know, 
20 minutes of this, 30 minutes of this, uh, the tangible presence of God came over me and I just, I snapped, I broke and I just started weeping. Mm. Uh, I, I wept for probably another good 30 minutes or so. Um, I just remember opening my eyes after that and feeling new, like feeling different and, um, and knowing that the Lord had done something in me. And the change was actually so drastic after that moment that uh, my first semester at Boise State, I had some friends on the dorm room floor that were, um, they didn't really like to be around me um, because I was very sarcastic and I would try to twist their words and make them feel stupid and things like that. And they didn't, they just didn't want to be around me. They told me that. And, uh, and then after, uh, after that had happened at winter break and I came back to school, um, a number of them asked me what happened to you. Like you're, you're nice. I didn't realize that you were nice. (laughs) So, um, the change was pretty drastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, and with me today is uh, Kiefer Annabel, uh, Associate Pastor at Living Way Four Square. So obviously there was a change in your life, mm-hmm. and um, how did that begin to work out in your in your daily walk? Yeah, I felt like I just started seeing things differently. I saw people differently. Um and I still had, obviously, I still had many things that I needed to, that were in process and that are still in process to this day. Um, but it was like I'd put on a different set of glasses hmm. and um, and I just, I, I knew I wanted more. And so I kept friendship going with Trevor. Um, I, I kept uh, pursuing some people uh, at Mill Creek, even though I was in Boise State and which eventually then led to me doing the internship there um, and kind of being immersed uh, into that and getting my first real taste of what ministry could potentially look like. And uh, so I I just started going for it. I mean, I was reading my Bible um, even more vigorously than I had been um, praying. I mean, I I remember I would wake up and I would spend an, uh, an hour to an hour and a half with the Lord before I would go to class. And then at the end of my night, I'd spend another hour, hour and a half with the Lord before I'd go to sleep. Hmm. Um, I was just hungry. And it it changed something in me because I realized that there was something greater than uh, my own thoughts. <laughs> I realized that, uh, that God was so much more real than I had... Uh, uh, than I had noticed before because I'd put him in my own little intellectual box. Mm-hmm. And um, and that got shattered. <laughs> and so I just saw God so much differently. You know, uh, you've, you've mentioned a couple times uh, issues with pornography. Uh, I know that there are people listening today who um, they may have that, uh, that issue in their life or they may have a loved one who's, who's dealing with that. What would you say to them as far as how the Lord dealt with you about it and how you've been able to overcome that issue? Yeah, I mean, I, in my role at the church, actually, I primarily work with youth. Um, I do other things, but primarily I work with youth, and, and it is a huge uh, dilemma in youth culture as a whole across the board. And um, it's a really difficult issue. Um, especially with studies coming out, things that talk about how addictive pornography can be and the effects on the brain and, and things like that. Um, and especially when people have walked in it for X amount of years, when they're in a place where they finally want to start getting healthy, 
um, and getting free, uh, that can be really difficult. I walked in pornography addiction for oh, probably six or seven years before I really wanted freedom. And uh, Is that the first step to want it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. To realize that you have a problem and that, that you need help mm-hmm. um, and just running after it. And so the way I did that was after I encountered the Lord, I, I mean, I still struggled with pornography, but I knew I, I there was uh, something in me that said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I w- walked in accountability with mentors and leaders. Um, and I, uh, I, I prayed often. I asked the Lord for his help all the time. Uh, there were times where I would just look over scriptures and just try to recite them as I was struggling and mm-hmm. going through hard times. And um, even in my deliverance from pornography, there was uh, God. God met me in supernatural ways, and I think that that's a huge deal: is to expect the supernatural uh, deliverance that can only come from God. Because um, I believe that in our pursuit and as we really run after Him. That he meets us where we're at, and he he meets us in our times of need. So I remember when I really got delivered from pornography. Uh, I was 20 years old, and it had been a, just a rough week. And I, I remember um, laying in my bed one night as I was going to sleep, and I prayed this prayer a thousand times. I said, God, I just can't do this anymore. Um, I, I've I've asked for help time and time again. You know how badly I want help and how badly I want freedom. And I woke up the next morning, and I physically felt a weight off my chest. Hmm. And I was delivered from pornography that day. Um, and and it's something that I, I look back at, and I say, that can only be God. Um, but to get there, I, there was a lot of things I did, and, and even to this day still do. I walk in accountability. Um, I keep my, myself open before the Lord, before leaders, now that I'm married, before my wife. And... Um, and there's a lot of grace in the process, but I need to remember that grace is the empowerment to live free um, and not the license to do what I want. Mm. Um, his say, gra- say that again. Grace is the empowerment to live free and not the license to do what I want. Mm. Um, being empowered by the grace of God, the, the gift that he gives that I didn't deserve. Um, and he shows me mercy withholding what I do deserve. Um, and and encountering God's grace and God's mercy in that way are, are the two um, great things that can really set people free. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, and there is hope, isn't there, mm-hmm. for those that are still struggling with this addiction mm-hmm. or have loved ones. I, I know for people who, uh, whether it's a, sp- a spouse especially, whose uh, husband... Pre- particularly husbands that are dealing with this pornography issue, it can be such a a divisive issue in the relationship mm-hmm. and how the Lord, through the change of a heart, I think, you know, I think people who try to do it without God, who try to buck this addiction without mm-hmm. God, whether it's alcohol or drugs or, or pornography, and they do it through some sort of a self-will, I know that that can happen for some people, but... Yeah. Without the change of a heart, I can't fathom how hard that would be yeah. for the Lord to do the work in your heart to make you sensitive to Him and obedient to Him. So, so out of that comes uh, a freedom for you mm-hmm. from from some of these addictions. What happens next? Yeah, I mean, I was in the internship, and uh, 
I remember going through the internship thinking to myself that I did not want to do ministry after that. And so I tried to pursue a bunch of different things. I mean, I worked in construction at one point. I worked in a coffee shop, a roasted coffee. I worked in a kitchen. Um, I had this uh, desire to open up um, my own restaurant one day. And I remember the Lord called me to ministry um, shortly after I was out of the internship. And my response was, oh, crap, I don't <laughs> want to do that. Now, now how, people hear that term, the Lord called me to ministry. What, hap- what actually happened? Yeah, I was sitting in a coffee shop, actually, the one that I, I was working at at the time, and I was reading my Bible, and I was really burdened. I was really troubled because I had some friends that um, called themselves Christians and went, you know, went to church together and things like that, and it was New Year's Eve, and uh, they were going out to just go party and drink. And I was like so confused. It's like, how could you want to do that if you say you believe in Jesus? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, um, and as I was praying and I was frustrated, I noticed that my heart was moved from anger uh, to compassion, realizing how badly that they needed the love of God um, to penetrate their perceptions, their desires, the, the, um, their vices. And um, I, uh, I was praying for the Lord, and he spoke to me just in kind of in a conviction in my heart real clearly. Uh, and I felt him say, heard him say, you know, Kiefer, this is what pastors do. I've called you to the ministry. Mm. And uh, that was when I said, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, funny enough, three weeks later, a guy that I'd only met one time before uh, prophesied over me and said, I just feel, had, I felt like I had this picture from the Lord that I saw you uh, as a shepherd with people and leading people with a shepherd's staff. And I was like, you've got to be kidding what me. What were you afraid of? What, what were you thinking when you, when you didn't want that to happen? I just knew that it was going to cost me a lot. And that it was something I didn't want to pay. Um, I didn't want to give up my my own dreams, my own ambitions, and um, and I really just didn't want to. At the time, I didn't want to um, walk in that process with broken people. Uh, my mm. heart hadn't fully been hadn't fully been there, um, and it, it took a lot for the Lord to actually get me to that place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, Kiefer, uh, I think there's uh, a lot more of the story that needs to be told here, uh, and I, I'd like to invite you to come back next week to finish off your story. Yeah. Uh, because uh, there's there's still some, some things to that we need to hear, but uh, we've got about uh, two minutes left, and in that two minutes' time, I'd, I'd love to just have you share with our listeners mm-hmm. Maybe a word that the Lord has given to you, um, you know, regarding your life or just uh, maybe what what he's sharing with you right now as far as uh, maybe what someone needs to hear out there today. Yeah, I, I feel like um, the thing that the Lord has really impressed upon me in the, this last season of my life in particular that I think will be something that will kind of be uh, part of the overall message of my life is the importance of intimacy. Um, intimacy with the Father and um, and really pursuing Him for intimacy because it's what we were created for. And everything that we could ever need, freedom of fear, freedom of the fear of man, freedom of addiction, freedom of 
uh, you know, whatever it is that, that we need uh, from God, that it comes from intimacy. The power, to, the power to live the way he's called us to comes from int- intimacy. Um, the power to see miracles comes from intimacy. To hear his voice, it comes from intimacy. And knowing the scriptures and, and knowing his faith. And, um, and so if there's anything that, that anyone would need freedom from or, or need the Lord for, it starts with a pursuit of intimacy of his heart. Um, and out of the outflow of that, God, God will bring um, victory to pass. Amen. You know, on Heart of the City, we've shared many stories now over the last year of, of pastors and ministry leaders and, and everyday people who have had a touch from the Lord. And uh, I would encourage you today, if you need something from the Lord, if, if, if your heart is, is uh, heavy with the burden of sin, whether it uh, has to do with addictions or whether, whether it's a matter of pride or disobedience, the Lord wants to meet you today, and He can and He will. I encourage you to get into the Word. Go to the book of John. Start reading in the book of John, and Jesus can come and touch you and heal you in your point of need. Kiefer, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. I look forward to uh, sharing with you next week the rest of your story. If you want to hear a podcast of uh, Kiefer's story, you can go to Heart of the City at 820amtheword.com. God bless you. listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on 820amtheword, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to 820amtheword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.